0: If you have a multi member LLC and you have no U.S. trader business and no activities in the U.S., no office, you don't have actual employees or directors in the U.S. doing things for you every day, you wouldn't have effectively connected income with U.S. trader business and your income wouldn't be subject to withholding. You are listening to U.S. Tax, a podcast for Australian accountants with U.S. clients.
1: Welcome to episode US 17 of US Tax. This is Heide Robson and thank you for coming in. Multi-member LLCs. So far, we have focused on single-member LLCs, but now let's look at LLCs with two or more partners called multi-member LLCs. Gary Carter already touched on multi-member LLCs in US update number 15. If you're a non-resident, you're a member of a partnership. And a partnership is doing business in the US. Yeah, and the partnership sends you a K-1, and the K-1 in- includes dividend interest income. We treat that as effectively connected. So that's taxed at the more favorable graduated rates. And then also, again? Well, for some purposes, partnership, a U.S. partnership, is an entity, and certain things apply to the entity. And for other purposes, it's, it's simply an aggregation of the partners. And so it isn't a taxable entity. When we have non-U.S. partners... There are special rules, and I, I talked about the withholding rule for non-resident partners, but the treaty would apply for Australian partners of the US partnership, because that income is deemed to be their income. So today, let's drill deeper into that with James Baker, who you already met in the last update. I started by asking James, why the multi-member LLC has this reputation of being more complicated or less advantageous? than a single-member LLC. Yes, the multi-member LLC is a domestic person, a partnership, and hence the LLC has filing obligations, and then each partner does as well. Yes, clearly more filing, but it doesn't sound that complicated. Why this fear of a multi-member LLC?
0: Well, it depends how you want to do it or how you look at it. It's more than the single member LLC because you have to report the financials and you report the results on the return, and you have to file the return. And if there's U.S. Uh, trader business, then you have to withhold taxes and you have to send that to the IRS. And you have to do on forms eighty eight oh four and eighty eight oh five if you have a U.S. trader business, then you have to um, withhold taxes.
1: You just mentioned this form 8804 and 8805. Can you tell me what those are about?
0: Yes. So when you have a US trader business and you have a partnership, the partnership has to withhold taxes for its foreign partners. The income generated by its foreign partners, the US source income. And it's really confusing, right? So 8805 is yes. the foreign partner's information statement of section 1146 withholding taxes. So the easiest example is a rental property. If you have a rental property and you make $100,000, then there's two foreign partners and they each own 50%. The partnership's supposed to withhold 37% of uh, the income allocated to the foreign partner if there's effectively connected income. That's pretty understood and it's pretty clear. And they sent if they send out these letters. So this and it says it right here in the instructions. This form is used to show the amount of effectively connected taxable income and the total tax credit allocable to the foreign partner for the partnership's tax year. And the 8804 is the statement that goes with the tax return. So this is like, this shows the total amount withheld. And then this is the statement that goes to each of the foreign partners. When they file their personal tax return, they can get a credit for the taxes that were withheld. And and again, this, since this is effectively connected taxable income, they paid progressive rates, but the tax is withheld at the highest marginal tax rate. So there's always a refund associated with this. However, it's still a hassle, right? I see that this withholding isn't required when there's no effectively income with uh, effectively connected with U.S. trader business because it specifically says it on the form. And it's fun when you file a, a partnership return with foreign partners, they'll automatically mail a letter that says, attention, you may be required to withhold taxes. And it's like a really ominous looking form. And it'll say like, if you um, partnerships with foreign partners may be required to file form 8805, to withhold taxes on effectively connected income with U.S. trader business. So the keyword in that one is May. And it's like a lot of people just do it anyways, which is, I think, is not required.
1: My understanding was that the partnership issues a K-1 schedule to each partner. But so it's actually not a K-1 schedule to each partner. It's actually an 8805 to each partner.
0: No, all partners get a K-1. Okay. Foreign or local, it doesn't matter. Every partner gets a K-1 to allocate the income. But this form is for foreign partners share withhold is for when the partnership has to withhold taxes based on the income attributable to foreign partners.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. So the foreign partner gets a K-1 that just says what his income is. And then in the 8805, it is listed what tax has been withheld on that income that was listed in K-1.
0: Exactly. And they both go to the foreign partners And that's why I'm saying it's a hassle, right, because it's way more complicated to get to a a no U.S. tax solution, just a lot more forms. And then we get to the final part, which is the 1040NR instruction.
1: So in the 1040NR, you then list the partnership income that was listed in the K-1, and then you claim a tax credit for the uh, withholding tax that was reported and done through 8805.
0: Yes. So that's exactly the point. So if you had effectively connected income with U.S. trader business and there were taxes withheld, you file Form 1040NR and you request your refund because you're always going to have a refund when the taxes withheld at the highest marginal rate. Progressive rates just doesn't work. You're never going to pay a flat 37%. However, if it's for a foreign corporation as one of the partners, the, the tax withholding is 21%.
1: Okay. And so that's why the multi-member LLC is a problem, because at, at first sight, it sounds tempting because the multi-member LLC can issue a W-9, correct?
0: It's, it's kind of a definitely a loophole gray area kind of thing, because a partnership can give a W-9, but it doesn't necessarily have to pay any taxes in the U.S., because it's, it's a U.S. taxpayer, but what it comes down to is either in this, I think it's in the other in one of the publications, but basically if it says that for a non-resident who receives a K-1, if there's no effectively connected income in the K-1, you don't have to include it on your 1040NR. So that's how it goes down to owning a, a partnership, a multi-member LLC without paying income taxes in the U.S. on the results of that. So you can kind of tell people you have U.S. business with a W-9, and then at the end, not end up paying taxes on it because you have no effectively connected income with US trade or business.
1: Yeah. So do you see a lot of people creating a multi-member LLC by, for example, by holding 99% of the LLC through their company and then just holding 1% in their own name or so. And so then they have a multi-member LLC and they can issue a W-9. Do you see that a lot?
0: I see it all the time. And I advise it to a lot of people too. I mean, if they need it, it does, like I say, it makes it more complicated but it's, uh, it, it works from that purpose and it seems to be kind of a little loophole there. It's kind of getting you past like the whole point of the W-9, mm-hmm. but allows you to like legally issue it.
1: So it really all depends on whether you need a W-9. If your customers don't need a W-9 from you, then you're fine with just a single member LLC. But if your customers or clients need a W-9 from you, then you create a multi-member LLC that is then a domestic person that can issue the W-9.
0: And what's great about US companies from like a legal standpoint is that it's all like private. You know, if you open an LLC in your name, you can just make it a multi-member LLC with all internal documents. You don't need to like formally register anything or do anything. Thing. You, you know, you can have like a little agreement you can make and write it down with your friend it, like it's it's really fast and loose because if you have a, a, a Wyoming company or Delaware company or whatever. You can just make a quick legal doc. You don't have to register it anywhere. And then you just file a tax return like as a partnership.
1: Yes. So, what you're saying is when you set up the LLC, you don't actually have to specify whether it's single member or multi member. You work that out yourself. And then you basically just tell the IIS when you lodge the way you lodge the tax returns, whether you're a single member or multi member, correct?
0: Yeah, that's the only time the IRS really finds out is, I mean, they might know when you request the EIN. But if you request the EIN as a single member LLC, you can always add a member, but it's and, and same with the other way. And they, that's how they might expect something. But yeah, that's the only time that you tell the IRS really anything. And the W-9s are all internal. They don't go to the IRS.
1: When they receive the 1065 from the LLC, then they kind of, that's when they know that it's multi-member.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And so then if you don't need a W-9, then you can just be a single member LLC and and issue a W-8-B-E-N-E if you're a foreign corporation or... Actually, do you mind if I quickly jump back to that? Because I actually had questions about that. So if you have, if you have a single member LLC and you need to issue a W8BENE, whose name is on the W8BENE? Is it the LLC or the foreign corporation, you know, the single member?
0: The W8BENE is a a crazy form. It's like they made this 20 page form to cover every single potential possibility when 98 percent of the people that do it fill it out one way so yeah you have to put the name of the the it says name of the organization so you need to put the company yeah you don't yes. have to
1: but so the question is name of the organization do you put the llc there or the foreign cop or the single member which is the foreign corporation
0: so you would put the foreign corporation here yeah
1: okay because the llc is disregarded
0: yeah and I mean, I guess you could put the number on line three, you can put name of disregarded entity receiving payment if applicable. So that's where you would put the name of the LLC on line three. But line one is where you're putting the beneficial owner because the whole point of this is to, you know, determine, tell them your tax status. And if you want the names to match up, yeah, you're going to put the LLC on line three. And then you see chapter uh, part five is like the all of these things. It basically all businesses are going to be, what is it? An active non-foreign financial entity. So they have all these boxes and basically almost everyone's going to be an active or a, a passive, not not a bank.
1: So it's basically active, non-financial, correct?
0: Active, non-financial foreign entity and everything else is some kind, of, you wouldn't know what it is anyways. They should make these like really prominent at the top and then have all the other stuff below it.
1: And what's the difference between active and passive and on the W8BNE? With active, do you have to have a US trade or business to be active or so would most people be passive then? or
0: People are know? active. I mean, passive is going to be like maybe if you want to say like a rental property that you don't participate in or like uh, maybe you own like it's just like some kind of business or entity that doesn't really have an active business. It's it's like if you own like just if you own something.
1: Okay, good. So that means most businesses that are trading in the US through an LLC would have active NFFE on the W8BNE.
0: Yeah, almost every time. Yeah. And even a real estate company would probably put active. But the only difference for the purposes of this form, and again, this form doesn't go anywhere and no one really does anything with it, unless, of course, you're claiming a treaty position, then it's really important. But the only difference is like this, you're c- completing line 39 or, th- or thirty-nine or 40A. That's the only, you're checking one box different.
1: No, you just said this doesn't really matter unless you claim the treaty position. But most foreign corporations trading in the US would be claiming a treaty position if their country has a treaty with the u.s which most do
0: you only need to effectively claim the treaty position if someone's like trying to withhold taxes from you so if no one's trying to withhold taxes from you then you don't really need to like make an effective claim like no one no one cares so that's when it's really important and it's usually going to be banks or financial institutions or or like, or like a big company, like a YouTube or a Google or something, which are, I guess the same company.
1: What you're saying is, as long as people are not trying to withhold tax, it doesn't really matter what you say on the W-8BNE. But when they try to withhold tax, then it very much matters.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's the whole point. So if they're yeah. not withholding taxes, you don't doesn't like that's the whole. You're fine. You're free from the U.S. because that's their fault. If they were yes. supposed to withhold taxes and they didn't. They're basically liable for the taxes. And that's why they collect these forms. And, and again, it's only done on a larger scale.
1: And so now, James, now we come to part three of the W-8BNE. And that is basically where you say that you're claiming the tax treaty benefits, correct? Because there then you identify the country you're a resident of and then you basically claim protection under the treaty, correct?
0: Yes, exactly. And you spell it out for the people in HR who are processing these forms. You tell them there's 15, you tell them the rate of withholding that it should be on uh, what kind of income from what part of the, the tax treaty.
1: If it's a business, then you most likely don't have any withholding. You said this partnership income that there is withholding, but the treaty will most likely stop that withholding for a multi-member LLC, as long as you don't have a permanent establishment in the US, correct?
0: That's the thing though, because the withholding is only applying on effectively connected income with US trader business. So it's effectively subject to US tax per the treaty. It would be subject to a tax per the treaty, anyways, for it to be liable for withholding. So the only time a partnership would withhold tax on foreign on, on income attributable to a foreign partner is when there's effectively connected income with US trade or business. And if there is effectively connected income with U.S. trader business, there would generally be permanent establishment as well. And it would be subject to tax in the U.S. because you're doing business in the U.S. So even per the treaty, you would get you would get your relief in, in Australia. And, uh, and yeah, sure. I guess there would be you could get a reduced rate. I think that would be on the form. Actually, there could be reductions for withholding. But most of the re- reductions for withholding are for like passive things like the royalties or d- dividends or interest.
1: The treaty removes completely removes the taxing rights from the U.S. if there is no permanent establishment in the U.S.
0: Yeah, you're right. But uh, what I'm saying, if there is permanent establishment and there is withholding, can it get a reduced rate of withholding per the treaty?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the U.S. can't withhold if there is no permanent establishment on on business profits.
0: But the withholding only applies if there is per, if you have a U.S. trader business, which is where you probably have permanent establishment if you have a U.S. trader business.
1: Yes, yes, I
0: agree. It's quite complicated, and this is all done again. By the company's accountant, and it's done internally. So you can kind of do it the way you think it should be done, too. If you have a multi member LLC and you have no US trader business and no activities in the US, no office, you don't have actual employees or directors in the US doing things for you every day, you wouldn't have effectively connected income with US trader business and your income wouldn't be subject to withholding. And it's a great option. If you have rental property, which is very common, and in in, in that's U.S. source income, then um, your profits your, would be subject to U.S. withholding at a 37% rate. If you're a person or 21% rate, if you're a corporation, then you have to file a tax return to potentially request a refund. It's really complicated stuff. You, you have really attuned listeners, you know, because this is like not fluff, which I, I can do really well. Also, if you want to have one where we talk about nothing for two hours, I can do that, too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you, James. Welcome back. So, if you have a multi member LLC, you have all the filing obligations, so 1065, K1, K2, K3, etc. But in addition, if your multi member LLC has a US trade or business and hence effectively connected income, then you also have a 37% withholding on any profits to individual partners and 21% withholding on profits. To corporate partners unless of course a treaty applies. So this is a real disadvantage if you have a US trade or business and you trade from a country that has no treaty with the US like Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Peru, Uruguay, Paraguay. In fact, half of South America doesn't seem to have a double tax agreement with the US but that is a story for another day. So if you trade from one of those countries without a treaty then the multi-member LLC is a problem because of the withholding tax. On ECI, But since we in Australia have a treaty, we should be okay in a multi-member LLC. In the next episode, episode 18, let's go back to this issue of the taxation of non-FIDEP, non-ECI income. Let's go through section 882 of the US Internal Revenue Code with Brian Kelly Mm. in Los Angeles. Because section 882 is really where the confusion starts. And then we will also touch on section 881 that mainly covers for Depp. until then thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support bye for now and see you in the next episode